we will not be in the book of Romans for the first time in, my, over, I think, 40 weeks. After those 40 weeks, I'm pretty sure Michael finished up our series in Romans last week, and this morning I will begin a new four-part series titled, What Matters Most? What Matters Most? And this is with an exclamation point, not a question mark. What matters most? Um, Through the years, I have saw a a lot of people make professions of faith and, and walk an aisle or stand in a seat and ask Christ to come into their heart and forgive them of their sins. Um, I I saw a lot of people attend church uh, that are Christians. And these next four messages uh, will describe what I believe the most important things that a new Christian need to start in their life and one that a saved Christian must maintain to do in their life in order to survive in a world where the enemy is rampant and is out to kill, steal, and destroy you. Um, In most circumstances, when folks... Don't put what matters most first. Um, Or I could say first things first. Prioritize these things in their life. They struggle in their newfound Christian faith. Um, And they, you know, you can even go and look at at the older Christian that, that, that is backslidden that becomes cold, complacent, or indifferent in their faith. Um, They are not doing the four things that we'll speak about consistently in their life. Um, They become what, what, you know, complacent. Uh, you, You get to the place that, you know, we could, New Year's resolution, you get out of shape um, as you get older, uh, in your walk, in your your Christian faith, you you you're not spiritually fit like you were. Um, and my goal over the next four weeks is for you to get in shape. Is is for to get the most out of your Christian walk. Um, create habits that benefit you in your Christian walk. I'm going to talk about meaningful prayer. I'm going to talk about, um, in the next four weeks, uh, what community really is um, and with your church. I'm going to talk about worship. Uh, uh, and today, I'm going to begin with the most important of all and in what matters most or first things first, and that is the Word of God, this Bible that I hold in my hand. Uh, I have found through the years, if I can get the new Christian to start a morning devotion, um, I, I, I say a lot about 
this little book. Um, I, yours may be, uh, I, I don't even know what they all are. There's so many anymore. Rick Warren puts one out. Um, call Jesus Calling. You, you I, I don't care what one you use. But if I get Christians in some form of morning devotion, a set-aside time during the day that they will dedicate just five or ten minutes um, to the Word of God, they will have a better chance of surviving in their Christian faith. Um, surviving the fiery darts of, of the, the devil, our, our number one enemy, surviving the hurt of church hypocrisy. You say, well, what is that? Oh, if you've been in church very long, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, Surviving um, legalism, surviving false doctrine, (laughs) surviving worldly lust and temptation, surviving turning back to old habits, surviving self-medicating, on alcohol, drugs, food, any, any addiction that you may have. Um, this Bible, if you'll spend some time reading it and have a devotion of the morning when you sincerely ask God to show you your purpose in life for this day, not tomorrow and, and the rest of your life, you're only going to live one day at a time. And it's what does God have for me today? Who's God going to place in my path today? You know, we talk about being Christ-like. We talk about attending church. We talk about revival and worship and prayer and, and community. Why do we talk about all those things? For one thing, and that's for you to be a witness of Jesus Christ. That, that, that God sees you. And, and others see you as someone that is propagating the gospel of Jesus Christ and reaching out to those that are lost around you. So I want to read this morning um, from Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And, and, and I want you to just listen to what the Bible says in, in these two verses. It says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. In other words, this is a God-breathed book, nothing that was written. The Holy Spirit didn't sanction and breathe into the individual that wrote it. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I didn't write it, I just read it. And it says all scripture, even Leviticus, even Deuteronomy, all scripture is given. When you think about that and you come to that portion of it, that means that the doctrine that we've went through over the last 40 weeks is, is to give us wisdom and knowledge. And when you read it for yourself, you will educate yourself in when false teaching comes to you. You can say, well, that isn't exactly what I read. That isn't what I understood it to say. 
So it's for doctrine, so that you have the wisdom to withstand false teaching. It's for reproof. What's reproof? It's correction. When you're doing things that you should not be doing, you, you don't need some other hypocritical know-it-all to tell you, well, you shouldn't be doing that. If you're reading your Bible, the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God will tell you what you shouldn't be doing. You don't need a list of do's and don'ts because God will speak through that still, small voice. You say, well, I never hear that still, small voice. You're not saved. I can say that boldly because when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, He speaks to you in a still, small voice about your sin, about your things that you should and should not be doing. It it doesn't take this preacher to correct you or your mother or your dad or your spouse. God, through the Word of God, will reprove and correct the things that you're doing in your life and your actions and your habits. For reproof, you will, uh, you know, when when, when you read the Bible, God's Word, through the Holy Spirit, He'll reprimand you just like a parent because He is your Father. He'll command you and convict you and guide you and instruct you. You don't have to tell a new Christian. Well, you ought to get baptized. You want to know why? Because the Holy Spirit will speak to you about water baptism. The Holy Spirit will speak to you about taking communion because it's in there and he speaks through us through his word. And so as you look through that list of things that it says, here's the beauty of it. It says he will convict you and guide you and instruct you in righteousness. How much better if God does it than if someone else does it? If you'll spend time reading his word. You don't need a a list of things. All you need to do is spend some time in God's word and develop a habit of reading your Bible. It's amazing that it says you will be complete complete you'll be the whole package simply by reading and spending time in the word of God I I, I can't comprehend with all the the technology that we have in this world today that folks won't read their Bible listen to it I mean you 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 got an app all you got to do is punch a little button and It'll read it to you. You don't, even, you don't even, it'll read it in three or four different versions. Whatever's easiest for you to understand. If you'll just take the time to spend some time in the Word of God. Um, but none of those things, you know, people ask all the time. They say, what's the one thing that I need to do as a new Christian or as an old Christian, to get back, you know, that warm, fuzzy feeling that I had whenever I got up from the altar, when I knew that I had put my life and my faith and my trust in Christ. What's the one thing, you know, that that I need to do? Do I need to get baptized? Yeah, every new Christian ought to get baptized. 
Every old Christian ought to be baptized. You say, well, maybe it's just take communion. That'll restore the joy of my salvation. Yeah, that's a good thing to do too. Join a church is a good thing to do. But none of those things will grow you as much as developing a habit of reading your Bible. Because your Bible will instruct you in all things right. And lead you in a place to do the things that God wants you to do to fulfill your purpose in life. Which is Christ-likeness. Just that simple. Because the Bible takes us to what God instructs us to do. It's it's amazing to me that, that people don't understand and they don't spend time. You say, well, I don't understand it. You better check your salvation because the author will teach it to you, illuminate it to you, illustrate it to you as you read it. And this Bible is the life's blood of every Christian in this room and anywhere else, whether they're in this room or not. Why? Because this is not just a made-up belief that I have or some concoction that I speak. Uh, I speak by the authority of the Word of God. It's God's Word. And you say, well, where'd you get that at? From God Himself. 1 John 1, 1, there's four or five verses of Scripture here from 1 John 1 and 1 John 1, 14 and Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, John 1, 1. This is, God's Word's been around a long time. In the beginning was the Word. And it says in the Word, John 1, 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It's the authority of the Word of God. People say all the time, I, I, I don't know what truth is. Well, my truth is the only truth I care about. You better care about the fact that this is the truth. Absolute truth. And every professor and, and peep squeak that runs around and says it's just another book, they don't understand the authority and the truth of the Word of God. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13 says the Word of God is living. Living Word of God. Powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and all the joints and marrow, and is a discerner, you think about this, a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open in the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God said no creature, none of us, are hidden from His sight. We are all naked in His eyes. He is the discerner of our thoughts and the intents of our heart. He knows what we're thinking and why we're thinking it and why we say and do what we do. And we will all, that's every one of us, give an account. What matters most? First things first, 
You're not going to know and understand it if you don't read it. It's that simple. I used to, every first service (coughs) in the month of January, challenge people to read three chapters a day. If you'd read three chapters a day through the whole year, you'd read it clear through in a year's time. Start in Matthew and read through. Don't start in the Old Testament and Genesis. You'll be lost as Hogan's goat. I tell new Christians, read the book of John. It's the most personal by the beloved. But if you'll spend time in this book and read the Bible, you'll build a relationship with the, not just the Bible and the Word of God, but with the Savior. The Bible, the Word of God, is the lifeblood, as I said before. It is great to read Christian books. It, it, in fact, it's a good thing. If, if they're doctrinally sound. And it's a good thing to listen to Christian music. And I, I think you should. I think you, if you'd replace some of the trash in with good in, good comes out. I, 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 ha, I used to tell the teenagers, trash in equals trash out. So it's a good thing to listen to Christian music. It's a good thing um, to read Christian books. It's a good thing to listen to podcasts and, and that are good, doctrinally sound preachers. But none of that does for you what the Word of God will do for you if you'll read it yourself. I make no apologies for those statements. This is the what matters most in the Christian walk is spending time in the Bible. With that three chapters a day, I found out, though, that people would read just to get through three chapters a day and didn't take anything in of what they're reading. It's better off that you read one verse a day, two verses a day, and apply it to your life and make it relevant than you just read to be challenged to be reading through the Bible. Because if all you're doing is scanning and reading to be reading so that I can say I read it through. I can't tell you how many times I've read it through. From the NIV to the New King James to the Old King James. I even read it through one year in the 1611 King James. All the these thousand, everything in it. I've got one. My brother-in-law gave me one one year. And I thought, I'm going to read it through in this year in the 1611. Well, I found out about, I don't know, halfway through. This is ridiculous. I can't even understand half of what I'm reading. It's kind of like Spanish. I took Spanish when I was in high school. Didn't understand any of that either. Found out I never needed it, and I don't know why in the world they made me take it. (laughs) Haven't used it one time. I went to Mexico. Linda and I did on vacation. Been there two or three times. Never one time needed my Spanish. Everybody there spoke English. I want a Coke. They knew what a Coke was. I want a taco. They went out back and killed the chicken. You could hear them. Didn't need any Spanish. You need the Word of God in your life, though, because it speaks to you where it's alive. My grandma, uh, when I was a kid, she said, Don't you ever... Nanny Brammer. She said, don't you ever forget this song. 
Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. It's the Bible. It's the Word of God. And don't let anything or anyone replace the Bible in your life. Because when you have, or they have, or whatever it is that you spend all your time in, I can tell you I know preachers that looked up to other preachers. One of them pastored the world's largest Sunday school. And everybody had their faith in everything this individual said. And when they had a moral failure, you'll fail too. If your faith and your trust is in something other than God and His Word and His Son. It's not bad to listen to all these other different areas of media. But you better make this your number one source. The Bible, Jesus loves me, this I know, because it's the truth. When Paul was writing this letter to Timothy, where we read those verses in the beginning, he was about to die. Supposedly the last letter some scholars think that he ever wrote. And it is to a young protege. Timothy was a very young preacher. And in fact, many believe he was in the hardest church in the entire world at that time, as it was known there in the Middle East, in the city of Ephesus. And the reason of that being is it was a very uh, complicated city composed of world leaders and a conglomerate of differing religions. We have to realize it's not like it is today. Christianity was all new. He had all these folks that, with Roman influence and, and all the Greek gods and all these roads led to this one city in Ephesus uh, and, and with all these differing thoughts and they worshipped everything from Diana to, to horses to, to fish and sons and, and Jesus. And so here's Timothy in a conglomerate in all this, just a terrible place of complexity. And can you even imagine, can you just imagine Paul was trying to encourage him, trying to help him? This is not easy, is what Paul was saying. And he tells Timothy, all these people that you're dealing with in, in chapter 3, of Second Timothy, he says, For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying the power. Whoo, does any of that sound familiar? Let's see, let me see if I can picture someone that's lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Wow, it sounds like the United States in today's world. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. You'll know why? 
because it's the truth and it's relevant today as much as it was when Paul wrote this to Timothy. It's relevant. It's applicable. Listen to what else he states in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. But they never get there. (laughs) You know anyone like that? Quote scripture to you front and back, but they never get there. They don't seem to understand. They make Christianity about all these differing things, but it's never about the salvation of the lost, the Christ-likeness that leads others to Christ. They can make it about holiness, and it has nothing to do with reaching anyone. It's all about pride. Religion, self-righteousness. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They just never get there. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. I need to just repeat that to myself over and over and over. Learning is good. It's actually being a disciple to be learning. But learners who never know what the truth is that is never applied to their life, the truth to their life, to their problems, that's a big, big problem. I used to say, and I still say it, knowledge without application is an abortion because what we do is just abort it from our life. We put it, it's head knowledge, but not heart knowledge that changes our life, makes us compassionate, believe in mercy and grace. We just know what it says and don't make it relevant or applicable in our life. It's just kind of a life without birth. And after that statement, when he says all of that he said about all these people, that's when he then said what we read first. All Scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man or woman of God may be complete. Oh, my wife completes me. No, I'm going to tell you what completes you. This Bible will complete you. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. You have a problem with sin in your life? Spend some time in this book. It'll complete you and equip you for every good work. You wonder what your purpose in life is? Read this Bible. He'll show you. The Word of God. Folks, it is the Word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit that creates relational Christianity. 
And until we have people that understand what relational Christianity is, you're just going through the motions. You say, what is relational Christianity? It's that attitude that when you get up in the morning, He's near. When the fire and a tornado hit your life, He's there. When the first one you turn to is not your best friend, it's the Lord. It's the one that when you know that all hell has broke loose and you can't take another step or another breath, God is still good. And His mercy is more than anything else you can endure. No matter what you're faced with, no matter what the temptation, the struggle, that's relational Christianity. I used to think it was a list of do's and don'ts years ago. I'm in a good relationship with Christ because I got all these things I do and all these things I don't do. And I found out what I was was a religious zealot, a hypocrite that was keeping a list and didn't even know who God was. Didn't realize the love of God that cared for the sinner as well as the saint. That loved us all and died for everyone. No matter what we were involved in, no matter how jacked up our life was, he was still reaching out and calling to those individuals. This book, you ought to read it daily. You pay, but preacher, what, what's the big secret? There is no secret sauce, people, to having relational Christianity. The Bible through the Holy Spirit is the one that changes and transforms the life of the believer. There is no secret sauce. There is no magic potion. There is no secret encounter. You encountered the Holy Spirit when you gave your life to Christ and He came to live inside. You say, but preacher, okay, I'm, I'm a Christian. I know I put my faith and trust in Christ, but I'm cold. My life's jacked up. I'm indifferent to the church, the things of God, to witnessing, to giving, to coming to church, to small groups. It's hard for me to praise in the middle of the storm I'm in. What would you tell me? What would you tell that person that said that to you? Confess the garbage that you just said and start reading this Bible. That's what I'd tell you. Cold and indifferent, confess it. Don't tell me, tell the Lord. I'm not a confession booth and don't believe in it. You can confess your sins one to another, but you better confess them to the Lord. Confess it. And pick up this Bible. 
This book's alive. And when you get our daily bread and put it on your phone and, and start back with a devotion. Because it is alive and you'll find out he'll speak to you because he's relational. I used to say, go out there and get one of them little books. No, I found out you'll spend more time on your phone with it if you'll just download the app and put it on your phone or have them send you our daily bread as an email every morning. As a 19-year-old kid working in a machine shop, I noticed one old guy every morning. 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock break. We started at 7, ate lunch at 11. I still do it today. But at 9 o'clock, he'd go over and sit on a bucket. He'd turn a bucket upside down and sit by himself. Everybody else going to the candy machines, uh, all the machines. They had a, 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 a gut wagon out back. Everybody would run out there, and he'd run over in a corner and sit down, get a hostess Twinkie. And a cup of coffee out of his thermos and sat there. And he always had this little New Testament in one hand and one of these little books in the other. I finally got the nerve one morning. Dad said, what do you do every morning over here? He said, it's my devotion time. I said, do what? He said, it's my devotion time. He said, I read this story that's in this book. And then I read the verses that's associated with it in my Bible. And then I pray and ask God to forgive me and to help me be today what he wants me to be and to witness to the person that comes across my path that needs Jesus. I just got saved. I didn't know much about that. He said, here, and handed me the one he had. I can get me another one. He said, I challenge you to start doing it too. It changed my life. It changed my life. New Christian, you want a relationship with God? Start reading your Bible. You want help with all your troubles? You say, we'll make them all go away. Lord, no. In fact, it may have more. You may have more because the enemy will start fighting you more. This is not some rosy bed that we lay on in Christianity. It's a warfare. Read your Bible. Backslidden one. You know, you know how I can tell when uh, the one thing I would say to any, anybody I know that, that is just cold, indifferent, I just about guarantee you they're not reading their Bible. They're not spending time in the Word. Go back to when you first got saved and confess your sin and pick up your Bible and start fresh, new. See if it doesn't transform your life. I, I, I don't have to think it will. I know it will because the Bible says so. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. You're not going to find that unless you're reading it. So you make an awful big deal about it, yeah? 
Because it's the one thing, the one thing that will give you success. If you'll turn off that idiot box in your living room, lay down that remote, this communication buster, I call it, You know, the thing that separates your family. You sit in a room in a restaurant and you don't even know your family's there. You know what that is, isn't it? It's a communication buster. You say, oh, I'm communicating with everybody on Facebook. No, you're not. Not with the ones most important to you in the room. Jesus distractor. (laughs) That thing we call a phone. I challenge you to renew your time in God's Word and in your devotion. Just five minutes a day. You got five minutes? You got five minutes for everything else in the world? You'll spend three hours, like I do, in front of a TV, hollering and screaming at the TV in a football game. I hollered and screamed at it last night when Kentucky, I thought, was going to blow a lead. I could hear the rest of you hollering and screaming, hope they lost. (laughs) I'm done. Let's stand. Quit preaching, start meddling now, haven't I? Got off on Kentucky.